You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. It never gets easy being up here. I'm not used to it. You think, oh, it's no. Well, my testimony, it's my husband's too. Almost three years ago, he lost his job in the oil field. And we went through a lot of stuff. And one um, trucking company called him and he said, I'm going. I said, awesome. And we had been praying for it to be a God move. We didn't want it to be our opinion of, oh, yeah, there's a need. But we wanted God to be leading. So he did his year that was um, that he had to do for that company. And they sent him to school. And he was gone for a long time. And we were like, as soon as you finish your one year, you get back into the oil field. Well, that didn't happen. And he was all like, it's not a God move. I said, okay. So we were praying. I was like, because of the job that he had, he had to be always gone. And I was like, so if the truck wasn't moving, there was no money. And I was like, um, but I need you home. <laughs> you have to be home. You have to, you know. I said, there's still a life at home. And it was hard communicating back and forth on the phone. That's it. Or FaceTime. And I'm like, but your presence is needed. I said, we're a couple. We're married. We have a family. We need to be together. So there was a lot of, um, he had a lot of connections, you know, friends and stuff. And they're like, come over, come over. And and he was like, it's not a God move. He goes, I don't, I don't feel peace about it. And I was like, okay. We kept praying. He got a call from this company that he's working for right now. And it was guaranteed payment, whether his truck was moving or not. And I was like, praise God. I was like, do you see it? And he was like, I see it. The only hesitation was that he's not a job hopper. He's like, he stayed in the oil field for 20-some years and... He was just not used to. He goes, that was my only hesitation was that. He goes, it was a me thing. Like, if it was different in the other job, I would have stayed. I said, I understand. I said, but I wanted you home. So he was supposed to be home today. But again, because of delays and stuff, he'll be home the next weekend. But I praise God that we can agree together and make sure that we have God in the forefront all the time. It doesn't matter what happens or it doesn't happen the way we want it to. I've always had that scripture that says that God's going to direct your steps. God is going to light the path. God is going to make a way where you see that. Are you sure that's the way? Yes. And when you have peace about it, and even though, you know, he's not here all the time, we do pray. We are in, you know, together on a lot of things that we're still expecting God to do. And we don't know how it's going to happen. We just know that it's going to happen. So I praise God. And I'm just grateful. So I told this testimony. It's his too, but I told him I was going to say it today. So thank you, guys.
Thank you so much, Miss Angie, for sharing. You know, when we share our testimonies, that's how we build up a f- the faith of each other. So if you have testimonies, we are going to be doing this every Sunday. So if you would like to share your testimony, please, please step out of your comfort zone and come up here and share. So kids, you guys are dismissed. If you are here for the first time, we have nursery right here in the hallway foyer up to the age of three. And then right next door, we have preschoolers up to the age of six, four to six. Outside, we have our super kids going with Miss Angie from 7 to 11 and youth you guys will be dismissed with Miss Betty so at this time let's all go ahead and open up our hearts and let's get ready to see, receive the word and experience life in a new way the faith it's good to see everyone I don't say this a whole lot but I do really want to say it this morning I just want to say it. I appreciate everyone taking their time and actually coming to the house of God and thinking that what I got to say is important enough for you to be here. So I really do appreciate that. Don't think I don't. That means a lot to me. So we got a lot of ground to cover this morning, and I do have a word that there are some things we need to cover before we get to the word. And the first thing I want to do is I want to, um, you know, if, um, my goal is to finish my series today, but if we don't finish it, then we'll finish it whenever we finish it. But um, next week, the next two Sundays are very important, very significant. Um, I think you should really go ahead and schedule yourself in if you're not in. Make sure you FaceTime it because um, Dr. Garza is going to come up here and, and um, teach for two weeks on some of the current events that we're watching and give you a perspective. And I caught him in the, <laughs> this is going to be before I fall eight things, roll on my mints. Um, and I was over at the cafe, you know, talking to H. I said, we need a title, we need a title, we need a title. And, and so we were just messing around. So he came up with a good title. I, I kind of primed it. So the title of this series is going to be two-part series you don't want to miss. It's called. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel. Oh my God! Puro Tejano, they don't know. They don't know rock. They don't know. We're gonna have to play that song now. Yeah. Okay. For all you Tejano people, there was a band way back in the day. They made a song called "It's the End of the World as We Know It," and I feel fine. Well, that's the title of this series, so you don't want to miss it. All right. Um, and it, it's gonna have to do with current events, and you really do need a balanced perspective because we're, you know, what you're watching on TV nowadays is really, you know, the Bible. You know, we just moved from COVID into the preliminary World War III. You know, I don't know how you look at this, but um, and um, there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to get upset. That's just the way it is. You know, that's the thing is, but you have to be informed. And if you're not careful, you get on the, you know, gloom and doom fringe, and you don't want to do that. Or you could go on the other end, where people just completely ignore it. Oh, no, that's never going to happen. You don't want to do that either, because the Bible is pretty clear about end times. So, so I really appreciate um, H.H.'s perspective and his knowledge. Of course, he's a very smart guy, and that's all I'm not going to stop buttering him up because then he won't be able to leave. His head will be too big. But, but no, he, he, he's, you know, he did it years ago, and, and he's funny because he says, I have to update. I said, you definitely have to update it because when was it, like 10 years from now, right? It's like it was on track, and we thought, oh, it's way over there. Now 10 years have gone. It's like, no, it's not that far. So anyway, I think everybody should know these things. Now, the other thing I want to talk to you about this morning is, and it's very important, is we've been working on a lot of logistics to try to get this out, but um, I want to talk to you about Ukraine. And um, actually, if somebody could bring my flag back up, I want to leave that flag up here pretty much all the time, um, our Ukrainian flag. That's just a position that we stand. You know, Ukraine is not something bandwagon for us. It's not something because the news is on it for us. It's never been, you know, we've been in Ukraine for since 2004. Um, I believe I've done, I was trying to calculate how many times I've been in Ukraine. I came up with, I think, 18 different trips, maybe even more. I think it might be more, but I know for sure 18 times 
in, in the last, you know, 18 years. There was a couple of times I went twice a year, so I'm thinking there's a couple. And there was a years I didn't go, so I'm thinking around 18 times. The point of it is um, Ukraine is very dear to our heart. God called us to Ukraine, and we have what I call family. And, you know, the whole world is rooting, and the whole world is pulling, and the whole world is praying, and that's wonderful, and, and, and a lot of resources going. But, you know, I think everyone has to be able to do their part. And there were a lot of options, and there are a lot of options for you to support Ukraine. Um, but what I, you know, I've been in contact with our, with our the, the, you know, the people that we have, and it's not just one church, and it's not just one region. You know, we have good friends in the city of Kiev, and then we have a lot of work in the western Ukraine in the area of Chernivtsi. And so I want to talk to you about some few people, you know, a couple things. And I, and I got, you know, I want to show you some slides. You've seen a lot of this on the news, but I want you to I want to show you something, and then I'm going to show you the people's faces of who we're talking about. So as I'm talking, you know, you'll see things that you've seen on the news, you know, the horrific things that war has done. And there's one specific slide, if you can show those um, back there, that really bothered me because I've been at that building. I went, no, that one, you can, you know, those are just stuff that's coming off the, give me that. There's one there, there's a specific building I want, right there. You see, I've been there. You know, I've been there. I've, you know, we've been there. I bought a, actually, I bought a camera lens from a guy, and we parked, and we waited for him to, you know, come downstairs. So these things are very, you know, they're, it's, it's like saying, oh, I was in San Antonio, I was at the Riverwalk, you know, to bring you guys context. So when you see these kind of things, it's just that devastating. So as, as you know, you know, Ukraine, you know, I was planning to be there in June this year. That's not happening. So what we need to do is we need to get behind our family. And there's, a, there's just a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to show you how we're going to do it. And, again, you do your part. But there's a, script, there's a pretty good scripture in, in Hebrews 13. And I want to, again, this is not the message, but if whatever time this takes, it's the time that is needed. In Hebrews 13, there's a, you know, as, as the author of Hebrews is wrapping it up, this is really interesting. So I want to just read it. You know, this is the Passion Translation. And I just want to pick up in verse um, 15. He says, So we no longer offer steady stream of blood sacrifice, sacrifices, but through Jesus we will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. And we understand you know, what the sacrifice of praise is. You know, the sacrifice of praise, you know, a real short version, is just the ability to worship God when all hell's broke loose in your life. You know, and, and to truly be honest about your praise. You know, not just say, oh, I love you, Jesus, and, you know, like really find that place. So, so it is, there is that place of sacrifice. You know? So we all understand what sacrifice is. Sacrifice doesn't mean give till it hurts. Sacrifice just means that you're putting your life in a position that might be uncomfortable. Even worship when you're going through a storm and to be able to open up and say, well, God, I don't know how, but this is going to be all right. That's a sacrifice. But listen to this context because this is really interesting, you know, because we talk a lot about sacrifice of praise. I've been in praise and worship, you know, most of my ministerial life in some form or fashion. So I get it. But Listen to what happens when, as he as he's goes on to say, because he's not finished with context. He says, we will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others, for these are true sacrifices. So do you see that, that he's connecting a context? You see, there's, there's a place where we sacrifice from our insides. You know, what Kathy was sharing the last song, you know, the place where we really surrender. You know, surrender is a painful thing. Y'all are not with me this morning? Surrender, and let's just be honest with you, you know, I don't think any of us have gotten to the magnitude of Jesus' surrender, right? You know, die for somebody that's not even, that hates you. You know, that's the ultimate surrender. But surrender is really putting your life on hold to be able to help somebody else. You know, 
put up your agenda, put up your motivations, put up your, you know, whatever, your ego. So when you see these two things, you know, this is the call that we're doing. You know, Ukraine is something God called, to, you know, Faithway to do. So here's the connection. If you're part of Faithway, then Ukraine's part of you. Um, if you're not part of Faithway, then you're not part of Ukraine. I mean, you can do it from a different, you know, you can have compassion and mercy and all these things. So that, that's not the point. Now, the other thing I wanted to, just one last scripture, then I'm going to show you who, how we're going to do this and what, you know, I've been really praying about it. And, it's, and it really does bug me. You know, like I said, I kept, you know, my wife and I have been doing watch a little bit of news to turn the whole thing off. I just can't do it, you know, because it's very, very, you know, it hits home. Like, it hits home, you know, we're not just watching news. It, it's hitting home, like, hard. So there was another um, scripture real quick. I just want to back that one up with, and um, it's actually, that's the way I over, over-prepare everything. But 1 John 3.17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity of them, pay attention, how can the love of God be in that person? So compassion in our life is a reflection that God is, has influenced our life. You know, when you see people like, when you see stuff like this and you see the damage that this psycho Putin is doing, you, you know, what you're seeing, you're seeing a person without a soul. You know, completely demonized, soulless person that could watch the destruction of children and families and, and hunger. And, and by the way, it's, you know, it's winter. You know, we complain here when it gets down to 30. Ukraine winters aren't like our winters, all right? <laughs> Ukraine winters are zero below, you know, a lot. They're, they're at the same level as Canada, you know, if you look at it, where Ukraine is located. So everything is just brutal about the situation, right? So, so our call as believers, and, and I want to speak also to our online audience because if, if you, hopefully you're watching, I can't, I'm not really saying who's watching, but there's a, there's a partner of ours, there's a lady, I won't say her name, you know, just to keep her, her privacy, but she's, she's up in the Midwest and she's connected to Faithway. And she sent the first seed to, to, um, for Ukraine, and she sent $500 that we are going to move, we already set the system to move them into next week. So this is what's going to happen. You know, first of all, I'm letting you know this is where we're at. So I want to show you a picture, first of all, a couple pictures of the people that we're, we're talking about. So if you can show them, you know, whatever picture you pick, I'll, I'll talk about them. So this, of course, most of you... You know, Demas and his beautiful wife, they've been here in our church. Um, she hasn't. He's, he's been in our home. Um, I took that picture in 20, I believe it was 2017 or 2016. That was, they're standing in Chernovsky, Ukraine, on the church property. That was right before they had just acquired the property, and so the plans to build their church. This guy is not only a, a, a co-minister, he's loving to pieces. I've known Demas all the 18 years I've been in Ukraine. I've known him. So Dimas has his church in Chernivtsi. Chernivtsi is the western part of Ukraine. They are not experiencing war in the context that they're experiencing in the north and the east and the southeast. But what's happening is many, many refugees are coming to this city. Um, right now the toll is like 2 million people have been moved, moved out of Ukraine, and they're going through these cities. So the outreach that we're working with them, and, we'll, and again, this is all... As money comes, money will be sent. We've already, we already have the me- mechanism to do it. And they had sent me other options. They said, well, you can send this organization and that organization and this organization. That's fine. But I was talking to um, Luda, and I'll, I'll show you who Luda is, and you guys know Luda. Um, wonderful, wonderful, you know, person, you know, translator. I've known her for years also. Well, she's working, you know, she's now in Poland. And there's another effort going on in Poland with her and her team. But um, what Dimas and his church, home church, is doing, they are, the resources that they're gaining, and, and we're not the only ones, you know, they've got a lot of support from Canada and so forth, but they're moving 
resources, food, money, and so forth towards the northern part of Ukraine, central Ukraine, um, where it was really bad, you know, where the Russians came in and just devastated. So that's, you know, money that we will send to him. Well, it'll go through Oksana to him, and it will eventually reach there. And then I want to show you another picture of, of Luda. And, well, just give me the next one. I'll talk about every one of them. Okay, Andre and Ida, very close friends. I get emotional when I see them because this guys they're going through a lot. Andre has a beautiful family, two children. Um, his son, Timothy, when he was little, had cancer. And I remember going over there, and you guys helped. We, we took an offering. We almost took $2,000 cash to help him during that, that, that season of their life. That's been a, a long time ago. And he pastors a wonderful church in Kiev. Again, known Andre for eight, the 18 years that I've, I've been there. Met him at the very first conference that we did in 2004, um, ICFM conference, and then you know, we just connected. Well, she and her, the kids, they're already in Poland. And Andre, what he's doing right now, he's driving people from Kiev to the Polish border, which is right now is about a 24-hour drive. It used to be a seven-hour drive because of checkpoints. And his church building right now is a refuge. It's a, it's a shelter, basically, that instead of, you know, like you come Sunday, instead of chairs, you got beds, all right? So, you know, that's somebody else we're connected to that we'll be helping. And then um, there's, there's just, you know, him and I years ago. You can skip that one. I just want to show you another picture. Of, I want to talk to you about Luda. You know, so Luda is assistant, you know, executive secretary to, to Andre in Kiev. Um, she, uh, she's already in Poland, and the monies will be sent directly to her. Well, part of it, you know, and if, again, if, you know, a partner that specifically wanted to send money, the $500 that we're sending this week will go to her, and that, that money will be specific to help women and children because men are not leaving Ukraine. Actually, men are coming into Ukraine by the thousands, which is awesome. But, the, but what's sad is families are completely broken. So, so the, the vast majority of the 2 million people that have left Ukraine, I'm talking 99%, well, the only men that would be in that pack of 2 million would be anybody over 65 years old. Anybody under 65 was supposed to stay in Ukraine, 18 to 65, and fight. I mean, this is some serious stuff, guys. You know, we live in this little world, America, where everything's on TV, and it's just like, no, it's not a TV show. This is real, real lives, real people. So the money that we will send Luda will be directly to help the women and the children that are right now in Poland. And, you know, so I know the people that receive the money versus an organization. And again, organization has overhead. Organization has salaries. Organizations, and that's fine. There's some really good organizations. But when you give, a, you know, you give $100 to the Red Cross, it's about, what is it, H? What do you think, about 20 will make it? That's just the way it is. You know, it's not that they're stealing it. They got salaries overhead. I mean, they got all the, so for every $100, you know, that you donate to an organization, maybe half of it, if that would be a good number, maybe will eventually, and I'm talking honest to God, good organization, not somebody ripping people off. It's just they got a lot of overhead. We don't, praise God. And again, we don't have the masses of money we can move, but I can guarantee you give $100, she gets $100. There's no overhead. You know, there, there's, and it goes directly online you know, to people that are needing it. So again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. You need to do what you need to do. But when you watch what's going on, you pray about it, and you pray about our family over in Ukraine. You pray about Luda. Give me another one. Um, this one's this guy's a really good guy. Um, that was that's actually they have a church different. That's some Chernivtsi, of course. Um, well, Oksana, most of you know Oksana. She's been here a couple times. She's a wonderful um, interpreter. 
she will be receiving the money, and her husband, Tolik, and again, their family. I say friends. They're not even friends. We've known her so long, stayed in our home, traveled together, you know, all across the country. You know, we used to call them when we did our work in Lugansk, which is a region that's now been, well, eight years ago. They lost it, but we did some concerts in Lugansk. And we, we brought them over. We paid. I said, come over here. You know, we brought them all the way across the country. We had a conference in Kiev, and I would pay for that. You need to come up here, your husband. I want you here. So they're part of Faithway team. And by the way, Oksana and Toli, just, you know, if you want to talk about it, the influence of Faithway, they started a Faithway YouTube channel in Ukraine, in Russian. And they're showing, you know, Jerry Savelle translated. Jerry Savelle gave him permission. It's really cool. So they're translating his and, of course, mine. So this is, you know, this is Faithway people, all right? They go to home church. That's their pastor. But, they're, you know, we're all in the same rhythm. And they created this channel. They didn't, we didn't pay for anything. You know, they did all the work themselves, put it all together. So Oksana, you know, and it's a wonderful person. Now, the reason I'm showing these slides is because you've you got to connect to real people. You know, if I just say Ukraine, 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 you, know, you, you go to watch TV, you get Ukraine. These are people that we know. These are people that we've had lunch with. You know, we slept in their homes. And give me the, another one back there. Um, I'm trying to get to one. Just keep going. It's... Yeah, stop right there. This guy's associate pastor, um, Vladimir. He's associate pastor to, to um, Andre in Kiev. Just a wonderful man. Um, excellent translator, theologian, and so forth. And I've been communicating with him quite a bit. So he's, you know, those are three people from Andre's church. And as you see, his wife and his beautiful children. That's the picture that he, the last picture he took before he dropped him off in Poland. And then he went back to Kiev to fight. So there's a good chance, you know, we're going to believe it's not. But that's the last picture that he's in his family. So this stuff is really serious. I'm really holding back emotions because, you know, I don't want you guys to go like, oh, ho, hum, just get to the word. No, it's not like that. You know, there's a, you know, we're going to believe for him. We're going to believe for Andre. We're going to stand for them. But these people have left their family to get on, on a side to fight. So as a church, all I'm just saying, you know, you do what you need to do. This is going to be an ongoing outreach. I, I, I reworded the, it still says home church, but I reworded a little bit the drop-down menu on the, online giving, but it will say Ukraine relief. And again, I'm just, you know, you do what you need to do. You know, people online are watching me. You know, we need to get behind this. This is, time is of an essence. In other words, well, this is not a six-month project. You know, if we get $100, we send $100. We get $500, we send $500. You know, we're gonna, this week I'm going to set up both. It's two different accounts. Once, one to send money to Luda. I already got all the info and the other account to set, send money to Oksana. So, there it is, and I want to do one just thing. I want you to stand with me, and we're going we're gonna to be praying for Ukraine every time we, we get together. I want you to really release your faith, covenant protection on every picture of every person you say, and all the other people that we don't know. Father, we just in agreement as faithfully. And Lord, you know, God, that, that Ukraine, you put this thing together in 2003 in such a strange way, and then 2004 we were there and been there ever since, God. And now, Lord, our heart is totally broken by, by this what's going on, but Father, we come to the place of grace. We don't understand how everything moves. We don't understand everything even on the prophetic calendar, but we know one thing. We pray for these people. We pray for Andre. We pray for Vladimir. We pray for Luda, Father. We pray for Oksana Tolik, Father, for Demas and his beautiful family, and all, and Father, we, I could spend a lot of time saying names right here, but Father, you know that our, our Father, our, our Father, that you are, is their Father who you are, and our Father who art in heaven is their Father who and, Father, I speak right now, Psalm 91, as a confession of faith over the nation of Ukraine, over the president, first and foremost, that his murder squads are out there to look, trying to find him. Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray for the international support. But at the end of the day, Father, we pray for all the unrighteous darkness that has been released on this nation, Father. 
And, Father, people that love God, people that worship you, get caught up in this mess. And so I lift up every one of them. I pray for the children and the women that have had to leave their homes and had to go to Poland and Romania, Estonia, and all these other nations that are just picking up all these two million refugees, Father. And, Lord, we, we, we know we can't change hardly any of it, but we can sow a seed. And we can send something, Father, just to make somebody's life just a little bit better. Father, this money will, will help buy a blanket, that this money will help buy some baby formula, that this money will help put, put somebody in a, in a place, some shelter over there. We don't know, Father, where this money is going to end, but I know it will be entrusted into godly people that will use it, Father, to bring help and support in any way we can. So, Father, I lift up right now, especially for Andre and his staff in Kiev and his church and, uh, and everything that's been turned upside down, Father, for every one of these families. And, Lord, I don't know how this all comes to a close, but we know that your glory reigns. Your glory reigns over Ukraine. Father, as always, say glory to Ukraine, glory to its heroes, blessed. And, Father, we curse Putin. We can curse Satan. We can curse evil. We curse Putin. We curse him, Father. We command him to be removed from this theater in whatever form he needs to be removed. That, Father, his evil and his craziness and his lunacy stops now. And, Father, the world will rise up. And, Father, I believe that Ukraine will shine in a way that it has never, ever been noticed before. And I give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being part of this. And, again, I don't want to keep, be redundant and repetitive, but um, pray about it. Really pray about it. Pray about your part. Your part is five dollars. It's great, you know. Your part is five thousand. Great. It's not that. It's just, Lord, these are my brothers and my sisters. Amen. All right. Let's get into it this morning, and let's see if we can. We have time. We still have communion, and uh, you know we want to make sure we can do everything and get you out on time. We have our leadership meeting also, and you guys are welcome to stay if you want to. Praise God. Let's pray one again. Father, we thank you for the word, and Lord, as as the time comes to this now. I just pray that the word today will be a blessing, and Father, will help people. And as we try to get our head around what you've given us for the last five weeks, Lord, we know that the faith of the now, the faith that we use, Father, is, is on active everywhere we go. And we live in it, and we walk in it, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, I want to, it was really hard to try to find where to, because I, I kind of want to close it, and I had so many things open, it was like, how do you close this? So we're going to kind of conclude because we do need to move in, in some other things. But um, we've been learning. For those of you that haven't been here for the whole time, you can always go to the podcast, download it, Facebook, archives, whatever. But um, we've been talking about living, understanding how God, and I'm going to a quick summary. I don't want to take a lot of time. But, you know, how do you summarize four weeks of teaching, right? But we started about we have to learn that the only place that we live is called the present. Remember that. You don't live in the future. You don't live in the past. But our mind, I call it mind chatter. <laughs> Let me know what I'm talking about. It never shuts up, right? Mind chatter always is going to draw you to a place that you're not in, right? It throws you into the future, throws you into the past. So, so we've talked a lot about that. So we're not going to go there. So we also, you know, learned that God is eternal. So God doesn't function necessarily. You know, time functions within God. God doesn't function within time. Does that make sense? So we, I showed you diagrams of this. So what we can, you know, where we're at, we're at today, we found all the different dynamics, the love walk, the things that are active that have to be functioning. You know, last week we talked about the of, of understanding 
really what that love is and understanding really what surrender is. And both of them were just touched upon. They weren't full teachings. And so as we're moving into, so we finally get to the place where hopefully if you can kind of, you know, bring some of those teachings and start practicing them, you know, little by little till you get used to. Remember, all these things that we teach are not going to like, you walk out the building, I got this. No, you're going to practice it. You're going to miss it. I'm talking, you know, my, the way I am. And then you're going to practice it some more. And then you're going to miss it some more. And then one day you're going to start moving into a place where, okay, you know, I'm getting better at this. You know, my, uh, my character is being modified. I, I'm learning to enjoy the moment. I'm learning to see that God lives here, you know. And that takes practice, trust me. So let's, let's start with this this morning. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 4, 18. And I want to talk about, you know, first of all, the optics, you know, we have to learn to see, you know, we, we're, we've been learning how to walk, we've been learning how to think, but, but optics is really what defines everything on how we perceive things. So, you know, just some of my notes is that we interpret life events based on historical information and our perception of those life events. So in other words, stuff that happens to you, good or bad, in church or out of church, creates a perspective, which might be very your very own perspective. That's why in church... It's funny, as a preacher, you'll, you'll say something, but even what I'm saying is coming from my perspective, and as much as I try to express myself or try to explain myself, there will still be the person that will misunderstand it, right? Because as much as I explain myself, it's still coming from my perspective or my experience. Now, that is, that is not a bad thing, except when it comes to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is not subject to your experience. Your, the Word of God is not subject to your, you know, um, your circumstance. One of the things that we learned in the last few weeks, you know, you, if you, you weren't here, write this down. Your life is not your life circumstances. Remember that. Your life is one a whole different package. Life circumstances is what we're trying to navigate. And you have to be able to separate your, my life from my life circumstances, right? So when we understand the optics, you know, we, we think, says, I face a challenge of whatever that may be, you know, and then... What was, you know, how do I see that? And I, I'm telling you, I, I have, I'm really bad about this. I, I, I notice, because sometimes, like, especially in, in, in contracting work and any kind of, I guess any kind of job. I, I just, my, my field is that, so I understand that. But it's like, you tell somebody to do something, right? And then you expect that, them to do that that way. And you haven't seen the job done, but then they call you. Anybody know where I'm going with this? And they give you a piece of information that is not a complete piece of information, but it's enough to create an optic in you that is completely wrong. You guys striking with me? And now you go into this big explanation, or you get upset, or you tell somebody off, and then you feel like an idiot. I'm talking about yours truly. Because at the end of all that, you should have done the Paul Harvey thing. You should have heard the rest of the story, right? You chose to go on what? On a perspective. Does that make sense? You know, I'm trying to express something that makes sense to me. So, so, you know, it was fueled by, by something that was already in there. So let's go to the Word of God and, and let's, let's find out what it says. So 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, For our present troubles, I know you guys, if you agree with this or if you don't agree with the next word, I want you to say a big, big amen. Ready? For our present troubles are small. Yeah, all right. Some of you are like, I don't believe that. It's huge. Okay. This is really good because it's really going to summarize all the things we've been talking about for five weeks. Where are the troubles? This is not a secret question, guys. Come on. Present. Hello. It's right there. It's on the screen. Okay. <laughs> You're, yes, Pastor, I'm dealing with a lot of stuff right now in my now. Okay. 
Let's see what Paul says. So your present troubles are small, and guess what? They got a shelf age, right? They won't last long. Because guess what moves? Presence, right? You're always in the present, but guess what? Not, not, all, not everything moves with you in the present. Trouble doesn't always move, right? But we act like it's always going to be there. When we're going through something, our present condition is like, this is the end of the world. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. I don't know how I'm ever going to make it. The problem is you've been saying that for the last 35 years, and you're still alive. So you've made it every time you've been hit. But the perspective's wrong, right? Watch how the perspective's going to change with the Scripture. He says, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. Stop. What is he talking about? We've got to really pick through this scripture because we read it too fast sometimes. Our present troubles, what size are they? Remember what I told you that your optic, from your, from your perspective, they could be huge. From God's perspective, they're small. That's where this comes in right now. And then he goes on to say, yet they produce for us a glory. Now, I used to always get stuck on this. I'm going to say, I said, Lord, how does trouble produce glory? Can't we just get glory without trouble? That would be nice, right? No trouble, just lots of glory. But it doesn't work that way. So he says, yet they produce for us a glory that out, you could use the word outweigh if you want to translate, play with it a little bit, you could say out lasts. So you got trouble in your present but God says, hey, don't, don't look at trouble as something you're trying to run away from. Now, nobody in this house, hopefully, is praying for trouble. <laughs> oh, Lord, I've been having such a good life. Just give me misery for the minute. Nobody prays that. But trouble comes into our life. But he's saying our present troubles are small. Let's, let's break it down. And they, are, they have a short, or let me put it this way, they have an expiration date. Okay, Because of that, they can produce a glory. If you know that, the trouble, instead of being something you want to run from it, you know, I'm not saying you want to embrace your trouble, but now your whole optic about the trouble changes. Because that's what, you know, this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to change your perspective of, this, of life circumstances. You know, here comes life circumstance. Oh, I want to avoid it, Pastor. I just got to avoid it. Guess what? You're not going to avoid it. I mean, life comes, it's it, right? How are you going to avoid it? So once you're aware of that, he says, but wait a minute, whatever is in your present, it's not going to last long. Whatever you call trouble in your present, it's already, he's already telling you, this can't last long. I know some say, well, what if it kills me? You go to heaven. You're done with me. You don't have to put it, listen to another dumb sermon from Pastor Box. You see? Go to listen to sermons by Jesus. In every version, you win. Guys, come on, wake up. Every version of your life, born-again believer, you win. You win on earth and you win in death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? You got none. You see that? So, so perspective now comes to say, okay, I got trouble in my present, but you know what? I know if I can change my optic, that thing that is so annoying in my life right now will make me better, will bring God's glory to my life. That's exactly what Paul's saying. And then he goes and he tells us how we do it. So he says, the glory that vastly outweighs them, I love this so much, that will last forever. Because glory is hooked up to eternity, right? There's no time frame for glory. Glory is, so well, what's glory, Pastor? Well, just imagine everything that makes God good, that's his glory. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. 
So it goes on to say, so we don't look at the... Y'all read with me. This is like school. Troubles. Question. Ask your neighbor, what have you been looking at all week? <laughs> Hope they don't answer. I mean, what have you been looking at all week? Because he's telling you, are you, are you magnifying your present trouble? That's what he's saying. Are you taking your optic and magnifying your present trouble where you should be magnifying the glory? Because the glory doesn't have a past, the glory doesn't have a present, the glory doesn't have a future. Now, the Bible does talk about a future glory. That's also in the book of Romans. But that's the glory that waits in heaven. But you can also experience days of heaven on earth. Do you agree with that? So the glory is not confined to eternity. The glory, if you want to you know, take a little bit of the religion out of glory, how about goodness? So the glory, let me give you a quick class on the glory. In the Old Testament, the glory was seen, what we would know it as the Shekinah cloud. It was a vast cloud of light where Moses went in and he came out completely changed. So He was so changed that he had to cover his face for days because the reflection of his face would affect people because he had been in the glory and in the presence of God. But the Shekinah cloud, people try to say, what is it? What is a Shekinah? Because glory carries, the, the, the word glory carries the idea of heaviness, something very, very heavy, but not heavy like a burden. So what it means is that imagine a cloud that's about to burst. It keeps getting darker and darker and darker. It's about to rain, you know. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This thing's going to, you know, it's coming. That represents the glory. It means heavy, pay attention to this, heavy with everything good. That's the definition of Shekinah. So when you see that, you know, you says, it really begins to, to, to look really good because you say, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see when? Now. So now, now he's giving you specific instructions. He says, because we have that tendency. That's our human nature. When you have a huge problem in your life and don't act like you got it together because I don't have it, I'm not there yet. It will consume your whole thought process. Yes? Every waking minute will be consumed by that. Even better than that, it, even sleeping minutes will be consumed by that because if you're obsessed with it in your daytime, you'll be dreaming about it at nighttime. So trouble, it really becomes a fight of, of, of your, first your perspective, and then it becomes a mind game. Do I focus on glory or do I focus on what the trouble's telling me? Because he already told you, this thing, this thing is time-stamped. And if you focus too much on this trouble that is time-stamped, you're going to miss God. Because that trouble is going to be, it's, it's always moving into your past. Every second that you, even though, you say, oh, I've been dealing this with for years. I don't care. It's going into your past. And at the, if you really are going to move into this place of faith where God can actually do something for you, you're going to have to resolve that to say, okay, Lord, you know, I, you know, I live here. And yes, I have trouble. But I know one thing about the trouble because guess what? I had trouble last year. Let, let's say for a show of hands if you want to. Was, did some of you go through something last year that you thought was absolutely, completely devastating end of the world? I know this couple did. Yeah, they're, they're on a whole different level. I mean, she almost died, okay? But I'm talking, you know, something not that hardcore. But even that, when you guys were in it, that's the worst thing. Yes, we agree. I mean, let's say, oh, yeah, no, it's a serious, you know, we're all watching this, but nobody's watching it like Lauro's watching it. Are you, are you tracking with me? So, so that's that monster there. But guess what? It disappeared. You're still here. You're still here. Right? So think about all the energy you wasted burying yourself in depression 
or worry or concern about that optic, let me just use it optic, at the end of the day, it, it moved away, and you're still here. And that's every year all the time. I can think of something last year which is like, oh, my God, we got this horrible news. Well, we're still here. I can think of something I heard 30 years ago that, oh, there's no way I'm going to make it this time. This is it. We're going to be buried. Church is over. We're still here. So I'm saying troubles are all passing by. And, they're all, and get, that's why Jesus said, why do you worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow will have its own trouble. That's what he said. Stop looking over there because guess what? Yeah, there's going to be some negativity in there. Instead of that, you've got to look at the, at, at the glory. You've got to look at the present situation. So he says, we don't look at the troubles. We can see when? Now. Look at your neighbor and say, stop looking at your troubles. <laughs> you've got to stop looking at it. Got to, and looking at it means you've got to stop talking about it. I was having this conversation with Al yesterday you know, about, again, I'm going to give you guys a tip. This is your business, your life. I don't care. I could care less. But I don't put my whole life on Facebook. I don't want a bunch of unbelievers praying for me. I don't want, you know, I want to throw out there, you know, I got whatever, you know, so, so I don't know how many people on Facebook, I don't care, I really could care less. But whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of people there that don't know the God I know. And then you got a whole lot of people like, ay, pobrecito, no, pues mira que, really? You want all that over your life? No, I want faith people praying for me. Because trouble, we're all going to have trouble. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Jesus said it. Okay, let's finish it. So we don't look at the troubles we can see. Rather, here he comes, here comes your optics. We fix our gaze. I love this. This is Faith 101, guys. We fix our gaze on things. Come on, church, read it. Oh, really? Well, Pastor, I'm looking, you know, the IRS sent me a bill. I'm looking at it. What am I supposed to do with that? Well, don't look at it. Well, how am I supposed to pay it? Look for the glory. Because as long as you're trying to figure out how to resolve it, you're not in the glory. See where we're going? The trouble is real. The bill is real. The, the doctors, you know, whatever the doctor told you, that's real. Everything's real. But you know what's greater than that? The glory. Because whatever is in your reality today is not going to be in your reality very long because it's moving, right? So, but the glory is always present because the glory is always eternal. So that's what I'm saying. Every circumstance in your life, if you spend enough time meditating and searching light and searching God and searching these things, you're going to find answers. They might not be the answers you want to hear. You might be dealing with sickness and disease. This happened to me. I was dealing with, you know, different things in my life that weren't getting fixed. And I'm like, oh, Lord, heal, heal, heal. And then the Lord said, you got, you got issues in your heart. And I had to go dig in. And, yeah, there was people that I forgave, but I didn't. You did the, oh, I forgive you, but you didn't. It was, it was still rooted. It was still a root of bitterness. Until that root of bitterness got plucked, then God was able to move glory. And that's the thing that that's, you know, we've been learning for five weeks. You know, faith is not trying to work. Faith works. But faith needs the right place to work. Faith, I mean, like I said, love, faith worketh by love. That's one of the biggest things you can grab onto. And I know we talked a lot about it. Almost every service I've mentioned it. But that's the one people ignore. I want faith. I'm going to confess. And then you go out, out there and treat people like trash. And then you wonder why this stuff's not working. That's all right. I love you, Jesus, but I hate everybody. <laughs> Don't work that way. You know, love is a hard thing to do because it's easy to love lovable people. And Jesus said there's no merit in that. Amen. All my grandkids are in the house today. I love every one of them. I don't have to work to love them. They just get loved. 
You know where it really counts? The unlovable ones. That boss that you can't stand. That person that has back, you know, betrayed you. All these things. But, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you understand how faith works, you, you understand that the value of faith is way more valuable than whatever you think you can harbor in your heart as far as unforgiveness and so forth and so on, you know? So he goes on to say, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now, guess what? I've been saying it all morning, will soon be gone. I'm telling you prophetically, you better look at that thing right now and you say, you are no longer in my life. Whatever thing, you know, name it. But you got to talk to it because if you don't talk to it, it's going to talk to you. They'll talk to you from sunup to sundown, and they will talk to you in your dreams. And you know what I'm talking about. That thing will not leave you until your authority f- comes from that scripture. We fix our gaze. My optic is now on things that cannot be seen. What's that? By his stripes I am healed. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Those are the things that I can't see, but I can see them in my spirit. Are you with, are you with, with me? I need to get to something. I hope we can, the clock doesn't let me. All right, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that cannot seen will last forever. Next one. All right, we need to move through some of these because I got to get to the place that I've been working on. It's not like there's anything going on at 12, so we can stay later. That's it. This is um, Passion Translation, same scripture. I'm not going to try to park on this one, but I just wanted to bring you a different perspective. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view, I love this, our short, our slight short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. That, that, that you got, you, know, like you see that, right? So we're looking, yeah, we're going through trouble, but I'm not looking at it as, oh God, the trouble. I'm saying, how does that trouble reflect in the now? Because the now has no past, has no present. The troubles do. Trouble has a present. It could even have a future. Something's come, right? <laughs> you, get the, you get the notice in the mail. You know, we're going to repo your car in a month. Okay, trouble's in your future. Trouble's in your past. Trouble's in your present. But it's all passing away. It's not going to be there for long. So he says that our inner being is renewed. Now let me say, we view our slight short-lived troubles in life eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and the unseen realm is eternal. And the word, I, the reason I put the passion translated, I really like to use the word focus. Because focus is one of the key things to living a life of victory and faith. Focus is one of the key things you have to understand about the faith of the now. Now, you know, one of the things that I love, you know, I have a real passion for is photography. And, you know, when you get up there past an iPhone, which, by the way, they took great pictures now, <laughs> you're going to have to learn what focus is. You're going to have to learn what apertures is. You're going to have to learn, you know, a lot of things. But one of the things you do is, if you know what bouquet is, I'm not going to give you a photography class, but you know those pictures where you can see the face in the front and everything's blurred out in the back? Okay, that's a setting, usually from 2.4 lower on a lens, which nobody could care less about. My point is, that's what God's trying to tell you. In a, in a camera lens, you can do the setting. You can go up to an F8 stop or F, F5 stop, whatever. I'm not going to bore you with that. You get everything in perspective. You see everything. You see every tree, every person. But as you cut those F stops down, what you're doing, you're actually, you know, reducing the, the, that aperture. 
you're tightening. Well, actually, you're expanding the aperture. When you tighten, it's when you get the bigger one. But my point of all that is you bring it to you finally see one thing. That's what we're talking about. You see, what he's saying is we have to be, in our life, we have to be, get to the point where we see this whole mess, even what's going on in the world. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to you know, keep it unfocusing, unfocusing, unfocusing until you get the one thing you need to focus on. And then everything else becomes out of focus. And that's exactly what God is saying. Because if God's word and God's promise, and I, I say God's word becomes very like, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. No, I'm talking about a promise that was shed in covenant, I mean, it was placed in covenant and ratified by the blood of Jesus. When you can get to that point and, and, and look at your optics from that position, guess what? Like that old, you know, gospel song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? And all the things of this world will turn strangely dim. And that is, that, I mean, that's, you know, that's an old gospel song, but my, my point of it is, that is so much truth in there because the more you can focus on what covenant is, the more you can, not, not on what Faithway does, or what, what God told you. The, all the other noise, all the other stuff begins to be reduced. Amen? So, so let's go into now. Now let's go, I'm, I'm not going to be able to finish, so I'm going to have to pick, pick my, my direction right now because there's no way we're finishing this. Okay. Now, let me change a little bit of direction. Let's go to Mark 11 and... There's a lot of reading there, so I didn't put the scriptures up there, so you'll have to open your, <laughs> your iPhone or your Bible app or your actual Bible. Mark 11, you know, I'm going to have to skip a lot of it. I'll just tell you what happens because of the clock, so I might not read everything. Let me bring you into Mark 11, 21, and tell you what happened, and then you can read it yourself, because it is important. It really is about, it really brings the idea of what is faith now. So Jesus, in Mark 11, this is getting close, you know, towards the end of his life, um, real close. You know, this is Palm Sunday happens here. So this is basically the last week of Jesus. And as he's going to the city, he goes to the temple. And I like this about Jesus. And I was reading, I reread it and reread it this week because I, you know. And... What I find interesting is he went to the temple first, and he observed. There's a lot of faith teaching in this, but you've got to go all the way back to, to, the, to how this came together. So he observed the temple, and then he left. And then they walked to Bethany. Bethany is not too far from Jerusalem, but it wasn't in Jerusalem. It was, you know, like an outskirt. So they walked to Bethany. And then they're coming back the next day, and this is where we're going to kind of pick up And in verse, let's see, I'm going to have to back up a lot here because there's, okay, so in verse 12, he's headed back. I'm sorry, I said 20, but I'm just going to pull this out. The next day as he left Bethany, Jesus was feeling hungry. He noticed a leafy fig tree in the distance, so he walked over to see if there was any fruit on it, but there was none, only leaves for it wasn't the season for bearing figs. Now Jesus spoke to the fig tree, saying, No one will ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples overheard him. Now from there, he's going back. So he sees this fig tree. Y'all follow with me, because you're going to get it right here. It's going to help you. And they're just walking, and I've always wondered, nobody's been able to answer that question to me, and I'm not trying to answer it. But Jesus is having a conversation with a tree. He's not having a conversation with his disciples. They overheard the conversation between him and the tree. 
Now, if you see me talking to a tree, you guys are probably calling like 911, right? Like Pastor Box lost me. He's talking to a tree. In the case of Jesus, he created that tree so he can talk to it. Amen. But he, 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 he has this thing, and the disciples heard it. That's it. They continue back into Jerusalem, and he has a meltdown. The day before, he was braiding a whip. Now he's going back to Jerusalem, and now, you remember he went and looked? He looked around, went to Bethany, didn't tell the boys what was going on, came back, looked at a fig tree, cursed a fig tree, but he's got a whip in his hand now. And he goes to the temple and drives everybody out. If you think, you know, oh, sweet Jesus, oh, lovey, dovey, Jesus. Now, he's, got a, he's got a side to him that you probably don't want to mess with, all right? Because he drove people out with a whip and, and turning tables over, and they say, oh, my gosh, you know, Master just lost it. And then he leaves, and they go back to Bethany, spend the night, and here they go again, right? Back to Jerusalem. Now, now are you guys tracking with me? Because this is where the lesson begins. So now in verse 22, well, let me just go back to verse 20, so you pick up in the morning. So now he, he's gone, he's did his temple thing, threw everybody out, get, went back to Bethany, now he's going back to Jerusalem. And in the morning, they passed by the fig tree. Jesus spoke to, and it was completely withered from the roots up. Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look at the fig tree you curse. It's now all shriveled up and dead. And Jesus replied, Let the faith of God be in you. Now, let's pause there briefly, because I'm going to get my other Bible here, because I want to teach this right. So now we have the, and don't get in this, don't, don't drown in why the fig tree died or why did Jesus curse. I mean, there's a lot we could get. What I want you to see is the faith of the now in this whole thing. When was the faith of, of the now released? Pay attention now. Was the faith of the now um, released when they saw the tree? Dead? No. It was released the day before. What they saw was the evidence of the now faith. And I think as believers, we have to take one little lesson out of here, like a very important lesson that I've, you know, I'm still learning it with you, that I've had to, you know, for 28 years, been trying to learn this lesson. I'm getting better at it. Because faith, the faith of the now, the faith of Jesus happened when he spoke to that tree. As far as Jesus is concerned, it's over. There's no more discussion about the tree. There's no talk about the tree. And I'm telling you, if Peter hadn't pointed out the tree, we wouldn't have this in the Bible. They're going back. They're doing business. They're doing ministry. And they're going back and says, oh, well, look at that tree. I really think that Jesus on purpose cursed that tree so Peter would do that. And, and, and Jesus is like, oh, I'm glad you asked. Then he begins the great faith disclosure that we all know very well. Mark 11, 22. Now I'm going to break it out of here. You know, nothing wrong with the passion. I just, you know, King James just really flows nicely on that one. So let's go now, Mark 11, 22. Everything you need to know about faith of now, in, a, in other words, in a practical way for you. You leave this building and now you know what to do is right here. Everything. You know, there's, there's no, no, nothing else you need to um, try to... Because people struggle with faith. I've seen people like, oh, Pastor's not working for me. And, and when they say that, I'm like, well, what is it? Faith is a TV? It doesn't work? What is it? You know, they, and it's, have you ever heard that? I don't know. My, you know, my faith's not working. That, let's stop, stop. You don't have faith. Don't say your faith is working. You don't have faith. Because faith only works. There's no such thing as faith not working because faith can only come from God's word. And there's no such thing as God's word not working. So when you say my faith is not working, 
You're saying my capacity to believe God's word is not working. You're not saying faith is not working. And you hear, well, I tried that faith stuff and it doesn't work. No, you didn't. You tried some guy's idea on a quick get-rich-quick scheme and you threw $100 and you didn't get nothing back. That's not faith. That's, that's witchcraft. Amen. Are you following? We call faith a lot of things. If I was to take, like, right now, say, okay, every one of you, give me a definition of faith. We, you know, we might end up with 25 different definitions of faith. So we have to have a Bible definition because faith is not just to believe. It has to be something more. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is substance of things. So it has to be more. So now we come to here and pay attention. So Jesus' answer says, have the faith of God. If you, King James says have faith in God, but if you look at the cross-reference or the, the center reference in, in, in the King James Bible, if you have it references, it will say have the faith of God. So now the first thing I got to say is, you mean, Pastor, do you mean God has faith? What is his faith based on? I mean, whose books does he read? Right? Um, God's faith is very simple. It's, it's the same thing. God's faith is based on his word. And I'm not talking written, his word. In other words, God cannot lie. What do you mean he cannot? He, God doesn't have the, no, he doesn't have the capacity to lie. Because everything he speaks will be created. If I tell you I have a green dog with seven legs, that's probably a lie. But if God tells you, if God says green dog, seven legs, you better get ready. Because he'll be walking down the street having little green puppies. Anything God speaks becomes. God speaks, it becomes. That there be light. That there be trees. That there be health. That there be prosperity. Everything God speaks becomes. Now our part is can we speak what God speaks? Well, it's easy in this environment. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We got it down, right? But when that trouble is coming at you, that's why Paul understood. Because I know it's, 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 it's really, um, how do you say it? I'm trying to find the right word. When you hear rejoice in tribulation, it's almost like, ah, right? It's contrast. There shouldn't be rejoicing in tribulation. There should be misery in, in, in tribulation. There should be joy and peace. Yeah? But when you, when you see it from God's perspective, that's why now you begin to see what Paul said in Mark I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians 4, because now he says, the tribulations we have now, those are temporary. Because faith is the eternal word of God. Is anything he said. Anything he said. So, yeah, I got the trouble, but it's temporary. Why? Because what I see, my optic comes from a place of eternity. Well, what if you die, Pastor? See you in heaven. I mean, it's about that simple. I'm not going to get worked over if I die or I don't die. I mean, it's just simply, well, what if this kid, see you in heaven. So, so see, that's the beauty of, of the Christian life, you know, because death to us doesn't really mean what it means death to other people. Because death to us is just one more step to the process of eternity. That's all it is. Or the final step, if you want to do it. So that, you know, that's why death loses its sting. Once death loses its sting over your life, faith flows freely. Remember that. Because fear is what Satan uses to stop faith. All right? I'm not going to pursue that one. You guys have been here long enough to know that. So now we come here and it says, have the faith of God. So God believes that what he says is going to come to pass. 
So what's the difference between God saying something that comes to pass because it's God's word and you saying God's word? There should be no difference, right? You're not God, but you're speaking from a place of God. In other words, you're not just reading the Bible. That's why I've always had a problem, even in our camp, they go, we just got to confess the scriptures. Got to confess. Yeah, I believe in confession, but now I don't believe in confession the way they say it sometimes because they say, I've, I've heard people say, oh, by his stripes I'm healed. Sounds like an auction, right? By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. Hey, by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. And they think if they do that enough times, healing will come. Well, let me tell you, that's closer to witchcraft than it's to anything else. Because the, the confession is not coming from a place of faith coming from a place of fear, even though you're confessing the word. But the word is dead because the, the source of the word was not faith. It was fear. Y'all with me on this? Because you, so faith has to create a peace. Before it can ever be confessed, there's a peace about it. You know, when I face a trouble, and we have, and we are, and we all the time there's something, you know, new surprise, you know. <laughs> you face it. And the, you're, you're, you know, the more you get trained in these things, your default should go, ah, oh, this is not good, but what did God say? It's painful in the sense realm. It's disturbing in the sense realm. It's upsetting in my sense realm. But even beyond all that, what did God say? And if you can come to that place, then you're in verse 22 now. Because you're, you, now you're operating with the exact kind of faith that God has because the only faith that God has is he has faith in his word. Question, do you have faith in his word? And the, you know what's the beauty about this? That we've, we've acted like faith has to come, like I have to believe it before it actually works. I don't think that's... I've got to pursue this idea a little more, but you know, the word of God has every creative power in it to do what it needs to do. There's a, there's a psalm. I don't, I'm not going to look for it. You can look for it if you're really interested. But you know what, you know, in our, in our culture, and a lot of cultures, but you've got to be careful. Don't get into angel worship. Be careful not to do angel worship. And when a loved one goes to heaven, they don't become little fat angels, all right? Don't get into angel worship. Why are you bringing angels? Angels are here. They're important. They're creative beings. But there's something really cool about angels. And it says in the psalm, I don't remember the exact psalm, but it says, the angels hearken unto the sound of the word of God. Pay attention to that. The angels, because in Hebrews chapter 2, it says all the angels are ministering spirits called to minister to you. But you know, okay, angel, bring me a glass of water. Ain't going to happen. Right? But if you say, I speak Psalm 91 over this road trip, over COVID, over the war, over my family, and you're actually understanding a thousand will fall on that side, and 10,000 will, but it will not come near me. And all the angels are like, Whoa. they're not going to do it for you. They're hearing his voice. Do you, you see it now? Faith is not your opinion. Faith is not your voice. Faith is what God, what did God say about it? And, and, by, and by saying, I'm believing, we keep launching it to the future. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm correcting myself on this one because of many, many years. You've heard, well, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. And, 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 that, and I keep thinking about it. That's so weird because you're, you're telling your spirit to grab onto something in the future when God already says that everything is here. I'm, I'm going to, you know, some of you might take this the good way or the bad way. God's not doing anything new. He's not doing anything else for you. He already did it all. 
Faith is about what's already there. Faith is not creating anything. Faith is grabbing what God already created. That's why I'm saying, you say, angels bring a glass of water. It's not going to happen because there's no foundation for that. But if you say Psalm 91, I, you know, I'm in a diff- difficult situation. I'm in the middle of a rainstorm, you know, tornado winds, and you're driving. You say, you know what, Lord, in the name of Psalm 91, speak life over this vehicle. Angels, you camp about me. You know what? Now the angels are, because they're not hearing you. Oh, Jesus, help me. I'm going to die. They're not hearing that. And you know what? I wonder, this, this is just my opinion, you know, I wonder if in heaven there's a whole bunch of angels on the unemployment office because you guys don't put them to work. They're wondering, I wonder when they're going to, Lord, tell them something. I am. I send them box, but they don't listen to him. They'll listen to the voice of God. So when you say have faith in God, you're not saying, I just want to believe Jesus. No, you're talking about the power that created everything. I mean, if you believe this, you're going to have to believe that. I mean, it's not, well, that sounds so, so way out there, really. How about dying and going to heaven? That sounds pretty way out there, too. But we, we don't have a problem with believing that. So why should we believe that the same creative power that God created the universe is available if you can put it on the tip of your tongue? Because that's what Proverbs says, right? The power of life and death reside on the tip of your tongue, and you will eat the fruit thereof. Now, that's where confession becomes important. He's, I'm about to get to that because he brings it up here. But I don't want you to understand that just speaking randomly, like, you know, without any emotion, without any intensity, without any understanding, is going gonna, is gonna to cause some kind of thing to move in your life. That is nonsense. And that's been taught wrong, and I'm here to clear it up. But if you can take one word from God, and it drops in your spirit. I love your testimony, Kathy. I remember that when you said, when you were sitting, and that when you got out of that bed. That's exactly what I'm talking about, because there's, a, there's two ways, when you teach, how can I not spend too much time on this? Okay. The Bible can be looked at from two, and they're both valid. Logos, interpretation. Rhema, interpretation. And sometimes they intertwine. I'm not going to get into all the details. But Logos simply means very specific. So if, I, so if you find in the Bible that says, you know, Judas hung himself, for example. I know that's pretty simple. That's a Logos word. It's just a, just a fact. History. David killed Goliath. Logos word. But then, you know, you could say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Now, that word, it can fall into logos to say, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, I believe that Jesus on the cross, he took all my sickness and disease. But it's, it stays right here. So you, you kind of have a, you know, you, under, you believe that Jesus is a healer, but the promise of healing moving into your body still has, struggles a little bit because it's stuck in logos. Now, the word rhema means a living, breathing word. Now, it's, by his stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Oh, that's a good, that's interesting, that's nice. Logos. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Rhema. Now we can meditate. Now that's a living word. You, you, and you see where it puts it? In the Old Testament, it says, by the, by, by the stripes, it doesn't say Jesus, right? But the same scripture, it says, and by his stripes, we are healed. That's Old Testament. Peter quotes the same scripture. By his stripes, we were healed. Why did I say? Because everything that Jesus did was already done. So now we sit in this position and say, is healing for me? Yes, it is. Now, you grab it from the, the context of rhema. So now when you read a healing scripture, it's not just a historical fact. It's, it's, now it becomes medicine to your flesh. That's what the book of Proverbs says, right? Your word is medicine to my flesh. Well, what do you got to do with medicine, church? Oh, that's so deep. Thanks, Liz. You're on, Liz. Liz is on this morning. 
Because you know this is the joke. You, know, you, you go to the doctor, and he sends you all these. He says, if you take these, you, you'll be fine. And you come to your family, all excited. Look, they told me I'm going to take these. I'm going to be fine. And then a week later, you're dead. And what happened? Well, he had them. He never took them. I mean, they would have healed him, and they were there designed to fix it. But he's just really excited about them. But he never actually took one. You know, and I think church sometimes becomes that. Oh, let's go to church. And we got an outreach. Woo, yeah. You know, the family. Let's get on the bed. You know, everything's it's fun. But if you're not careful, pretty soon, when it comes to the things that matter, you didn't take the medicine. And it has to come to the point where you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And you meditate. And once you meditate on that, guess what happens? It creates an inner image of covenant. Are you with me? You know, when my wife, when she went through those tumors, that situation many years ago, um, I remember when we were dealing with that and going through that, she used these principles for that thing not to kill her. Because she, I remember even before the operation, we would talk, and as, as we were going and, you know, do the operation, which was very, very serious, very serious, you know, good chance she wouldn't even come out of that. We talked, said, you know, we're going to come back home, and you're going to do this, and we're going to do that. You know, faith was creating in her life everything that she was going to do. And I remember one of the last things she told me, and this is kind of funny, she says, and I don't want anybody else sleeping in my bed. And I'm like, no, ma'am, that won't happen. <laughs> That's revelation, right? Because, you know, sometimes you're going to have to fight for your life. Right, Kathy? I mean, there's, there's times when you just go, boom, this is it. I'm not, I'm not going to die. I mean, I'm not dying. That's not happening. <laughs> and you, you grab onto things to say, no, because I am healed, I will return. Do you see it? Now it becomes what? Rhema. It's not just an idea that Jesus heals. No, now it's truth. Let's finish this. For verily I say unto you, verse 23, that whosoever, look at your neighbor and say, hey, whosoever. So that's everybody, right? I mean, you're, you can't get off the hook. Well, that faith doesn't work for me, Pat. No, it's right. you're right here. Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and shall be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, pay attention now, but shall believe. But Shall believe, present. But shall believe, present. But shall believe, present. Faith now. But shall believe. We're not believing. We're here. Shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass. In other words, the faith of God depends completely on the word of God. There's no other. You don't get it from anywhere else. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. But then... Jesus brings a little more depth into it. He says, okay, if once you're there, really there's nothing impossible. Right? Because the word, you're not repeating from some exercise of confession. You're talking from your spirit. In other words, your spirit and his spirit are, are, are interconnected. So you're only saying what he's saying. That's a whole different planet of confession than sitting there, by his stripes I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed. That, that doesn't work. But when you, when you get to that place, you go, okay, I see it. Lord, by your stripes, I was healed, so I'm healed now. That's a different confession. And then he goes on to say, this is, this is going to tie it all, everything we've talked about for weeks now, but shall believe that those things in which he says. So now you, you have to release faith into your confession. And what I have found about faith, it is so cool, and I could tell you guys stories after story after story of seeing it work completely, is that the more you speak it where you can hear it, the more you believe it. 
And, and it's funny because you might start, you know, you might be all sick and all down, and you're like, <coughs> I'm healed. And nothing in your body says you're healed. The doctor doesn't hear healed. Even the dog doesn't want to come around. You're like, that dude's sick, man. Don't even go close to him. You know, there's nothing, there's no evidence. The only evidence you have is the word. And the decision to make the word final authority has to come from you. And that moment, not from a sermon. And when you enter this challenge, when you enter the tribulation, you're going to have to say, is the word of God final authority? In other words, is the word of God at the absolute of whatever circumstance I have? Because if it's not, then you leave what I call the gray area, right? And the gray area is called the ego. Well, God's going to do it, but maybe I can help him a little bit. I'm sure God won't mind if I just... Well, did you give it to God or not, sunshine? You keep sticking your little monkey fingers in there and messing it up. If we give it to God, we've got to give it to God. And our whole conversation has to revolve around the fact that we gave it to God. You know, and that's what I'm saying. When you're going through a difficult situation, church, this is just a tip and advice. Make sure you, you, you have some faith people around you, some prayer partners, some people that know the word. With those people, share it. Don't share it with anybody else. I'm serious. Don't share what you're going through with people that don't know how to believe. Not that they're bad people. You just don't need negativity coming. You get your faith circle. You get people that understand this. People that love you enough to correct you. I want people to love me enough, and I have it, you know. That's one thing I like, like about H. You know, he'll, he'll correct me, you know, he'll say, oh, in a nice way, sometimes. <laughs> I was saying some dumb thing a few years ago. We were on a motorcycle trip or something. I was saying something that says, yep, yeah, that's your confession, you know. Slap him. But he was right. I needed to fix it. I need people like that. You know, if you can't be corrected, then, then what kind of mature, mature person are you, right? Because the Word of God will correct you. It won't hurt you. Because the correction really comes down, is it up to you? And the, the correction that the Word of God gives is a correction to your ego more than anything else. I mean, that's really where it comes. That's another message. <laughs> and then we finish with this. He says, well, finish this. Not finish, finish. We're almost finished. But believe those things which he says shall come to pass. Can you guys believe that last line on 23? He shall have whatsoever he says. Do you need three hours to explain that thing? He shall have, okay, ladies, help me. She shall have whatever she says. They will have whatever they say. Y'all will have whatever y'all say. Every version I can think of. God has given you the absolute, complete control over your life. Well, my life is horrible. Maybe you need to start speaking some word. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? He's, he, he says, you, you can have whatever you say. Therefore, I say, verse 24, what I like about this, and I, I, this I'm just teaching faith 101 to you this, this morning. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe. When? When you pray. Now, here's the really cool thing about this. Because I remember when the Lord showed me this. Well, it's been a while now. I, I, said, I felt like, let me, let me help you something. If you're, in, if you're like in some kind of an error that's not like you're going to hell error, you know what I mean? God loves you through that error. He's okay with it. But then he reveals truth. And then he expects you to walk in that truth. And you can even have some form of error in that, that level of truth. Because this is, this is what ministry is. You're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And God's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll change his diapers in a little bit. And then, he, and then you see, oh, wow, I need to fix that. And then he brings you, same. And now he gives you another death. And that's what this is about. Because when you see this, this is like, really, Lord? 
I can have whatever I say. Jesus says, yeah, if you say what I say. Because guess what? Y'all want to go really deep with me? You already have what you say. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you said it. Somewhere, somehow, you produced it. You gave it life. So we're already operating in what we say. And and we have these little bad habits. You know, lately I've I've been overwhelmed a lot of things, and I I found myself, even yesterday, I kept kept saying, I feel so tired. Oh, I feel so tired. Oh, I feel so tired. And guess what? I feel tired. Was, you know, I'm going to sleep at 8.30, you know, like the abuelito, you know, like, oh, <laughs> so, so the Lord's on me, like, you keep saying you're tired, you, you, go, you go for it. Jesus loves me, and he wants to give me supernatural energy, but he's not going to do it over me, my confession, because he gives me my authority to speak my life. And that same authority that he gave me has the ability to speak his life. But it's still your authority. You don't have to, guys, you don't have to do anything I'm telling you this morning. None of it. That's your authority. That we learn to navigate with his authority. We learn to navigate with, even when every circumstance is upside down, you go, no, no, you know, I'm just, it's not going to get fixed anyway, so I'm just going to choose the word. And, and really be sensitive to, to the ego part. Okay. Therefore I say to you, and this is what I was saying, verse 23 to me seems like preparation for prayer. And Christians, we do it the other way. We pray about it. You notice that? It doesn't say anything about prayer until verse 24. So what, what do Christians do? Modern Christians would say, Pastor, uh, I got a prayer for, my, for you know, X, Y, Z. Okay. Let's pray about it. Right there, we already got it upside down. Because he never said pray until you confessed. <laughs> I mean, there's no praying going on. This is all between you and you. He's trying to get you to a place where now your prayer becomes effective. That's why prayers fall short, because we're praying, oh, God, if it's your will. Really? Don't even go there if you don't know what his will is. Si Dios quiere. Dios quiere. Do you? I mean, are we in agreement here? There has to be some agreement here with somebody, with some, at some point. So then he goes on to say, when you pray. Now, to me, I see that I've already fought my spiritual war. Now I just got to go talk to God about it. I've already spoken against that. I already found the promise about that. Now I come to the prayer room and I say, what things soever I desire when I pray, I believe that I receive them and I shall have them. Here's the one you guys are going to love because 25 is still part of the context. And when you stand praying, you forgive. Oh, you were doing so good, Pastor. I was getting my faith up and now I've got to forgive that piece of trap. Well, because yeah. mm-hmm. all of that summarizes with love. Nothing is going to move out of love. Nothing. Faith worketh by love. And if you don't, you know, if, you, if, if faith is not fixing your character, it's not going to pay your bills. I'll tell you that right now. Faith goes on, hand in hand with adjusting your character to be more like Jesus and resolving your life problems. It goes parallel. And, and we have, you know, if, if we don't have the love walk down, you can forget everything I taught you about faith. Because he summarizes, says, you want to have the faith of God? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah, by the way, you need to forgive. Oh, wait, I don't want that part. No, because it's all in one package. In that praying moment, when you've already received the word, you've already seen what God can say, by the stripes of Jesus, thank you, Lord, I am healed. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And then you remember, oh, but you know, that person, yeah, well, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. 
And when you forgive, let me tell you about forgiving. Forgiving is not just saying forgiving. I challenge you, pray for that person. You want to find out if you've forgiven them, pray for them. And now you're there and that person hurts you. You go, Father, I bless their family. That one's the hardest prayer you've ever prayed. And Father, I pray that they prosper. And this person has hurt you deeply. And Lord, take care of their family. And Lord, you know something else? I don't want to say this, but let them find you, Jesus. Because you really don't want them to go to heaven, right? I'm just saying, a lot of our supernatural, spiritual stuff that we are expecting is stuck because of your ego and not wanting, or let me put it this way, of your pride and not wanting to release people. And this is, what, this is the thing that I learned many, many years ago, and it's helped me so much because I come from a DNA that likes to hold things. You guys don't, right? I mean, you know, I forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. Okay, that, 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 that don't work that way, you know. Um, you come to this place, and you, as you're praying, Lord, you know, I need, you know, I want to get out of debt. I want to pay you know, my healing. And, and it's funny how God says, it. Yeah, yeah, we got that better. You remember that guy back then? He'll bring stuff up 10 years ago, five years ago, the time you got mad at the teller at Walmart and you told her off and you haven't repented. Because forgiving goes both ways, guys. It includes forgiving people that have hurt you. It includes forgiving yourself for people that you have hurt. Yeah, y'all don't want to hear that. And we finish, if you have ought against any other, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive your trespass. Now, I did not finish, <laughs> of course. So I'm just going to shotgun my last notes to you. All right. Hebrews 11. Just jump all the way to where it says living the reality of faith. I'm going to skip Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. You guys know that by heart. Listen to Hebrews 11, 33 through 34. And I'm, t- I'm just telling you, it's living the reality of now faith. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Now, this is right smack in the middle of the great faith chapter, Hebrews 11. And, and, it's, and you should go read it after we're done. I mean, this we just go to Hebrews 11 and, and dig into it because it talks about all these heroes. It's, it's called the Heroes of Faith chapter. But what I like, what I pulled out of this is like, that's a lot of trouble, right? Guys, that's a lot of trouble. You might not be facing real lions, but you got your own version of lions. Huh? You got your own version of flames of fire. You got, you know, your own version of sword. But at the end of all that, he says, that weakness turns into strength. Faith has a way of taking everything that you consider that you're not capable of, everything that you already somebody convinced you you're not able to do. Faith has an ability to erase all that and put that in your heart. And I want, I want you to leave that because that's how we need to live, people. That's how we need to live. We, we got to live like that. Like our attitude is we're putting whole armies to yeah, we're going through some stuff, but that stuff is temporary. So that doesn't even really matter because tomorrow it's not going to be here anyway. What matters is what difference can I make today? What matters is can I be a blessing to somebody? What matters is can I enjoy the moment with you, God? That is really the faith of the now. That is really the presence. That is really, I mean, there's so much more I can say, guys. So, you know, we're not there. I can't do that. So Hebrews brings it then. And then the last thing was just some notes. Faith produces rest. 
That's in Hebrews chapter 4. I'm not going to read it. But I'll just some of my notes that I wrote down this week. The rest of that faith brings is faith guides our decision-making and informs of hard conversations. Faith eyes propel us to act and push us beyond our own needs to the needs of others. Faith enables us to live beyond what we initially imagined possible, that's for sure. And faith guides us to walk in love. And the last thing I was going to say is we learn to rest. Romans 8, that's Hebrews 4, I don't have time, you need to go read it. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? See, that's the faith of now. That is a revelation. I don't care where I step today, God is for me. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? I want to close with that, and I want you to move right into communion as we're doing this, because I want this communion to be significant to you. I want you to make, you know, of the many things we bring to communion, make a decision that you are going to live by faith. And living by faith doesn't mean I'm going to quit my job, see if something, you know, the birds bring me money. No, living by faith is making a decision to live in the now dependent on the present. In other words, make the decision to live in the present in the present. Every day the present. Not just on Sundays. But what if I go to a movies? You can take the presence of God with you. What if I go to Walmart? Take the presence of God with you. You know when the presence of God is on you? Some of you have already experienced this. Random people that you just said hello to will share their life. Has that happened to you? Like, why is this person telling me that she's going through a horrible divorce? I don't even know her. There's a reason. That spirit has sensed. That is a cool way to live, church. I'm telling you, it's an exciting way to live. So I encourage you. Y'all get something out of all that? Hopefully it was a blessing to you. And I do encourage you, go back and listen to some of these things. But today, we are going to take communion. And we're going to make a decision that whatever comes down the pipe, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it, it doesn't affect us. Because we live in the presence. We live in the present. And we're going to take communion. And the other thing you can bring to communion, you know, things that you're done, you know, things that have been bothering you, things that have become huge. You say, Lord, I'm done with it. This is the blood. This is the body. I'm done. And you seal it. And in the natural, that thing still might be there, right? But you've already taken communion over it, so you're done. You're, you're not going to. Somebody says, Hey, how's this going? Oh, I'm done. It's fixed. Well, I heard it's not fixed. Well, I don't care what you heard. It's done. But I can still see it. I don't care what you see. It's done. Because God and I settled it over the covenant. If you don't touch it with your mouth, once you once you put it in front of God, God has it. But every time we, we touch it with our mouth and bring it back, then we just take it away from God. He has to, you really, you know, we've been, there's been a theme through this series about surrender. The songs have been about surrender, you know. This is really a, where we're at. Take communion and say, Lord, I really just surrender this. And, and it's not going to be an instant fix. It might take you years, but at least you're on the path of surrender. You're on the path to say, you know, not my will, Lord, anymore. Just your will. And I'll tell you, God will give you the most exciting life ever experienced. Glory be to God. I need to stop. When I get in this mode, I can't stop, but I need to stop. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much as we conclude this series, Father. And Lord, you know, Father, we're never done with anything, but Father, that we really understand that your word is a word that is active every single day of our lives. That your word is active, breathing, life, and that rhema word moves to this church. 
And that, Father, I pray for anyone right now that is struggling with sickness and disease or with a bad report or a bad financial report, medical report, what have you. Father, we don't, we don't bury ourselves no more in worry. We don't bury ourselves in the tomorrows anymore. We don't bury ourselves in what could have, should have, and didn't happen. We only live in one place, and that is with you in here now. Faith is now. I release faith, and I believe, Father, that this week there will be signs, miracles, and wonders affecting everybody's lives. And as we take communion this morning, Father, I join with them. And those of you watching us online, you please take communion with us if you can. You can run on a piece of bread, water. It doesn't matter. Don't get hung up on what the elements are, please. It's, a, it's symbolic. It's saying, Lord Jesus, you laid your life up. You bled out for me so I could walk in a supernatural life based on a promise of covenant. So in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. He had given thanks. He broke the bread and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had sub saying, This is the cup of the New Testament. In my blood, this do you often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this new month that you give us. And we speak blessings in the month of March. We thank you, Lord, in just a few weeks we'll be headed to Cuba. And we thank you for the covenant protection and the mission that we are headed to. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Ushers, you may minister back to people. Thank you, guys. And I'll get you out of here real quick. I'm not going to take any more of your valuable time but again you already heard the you know what we're doing in ukraine i'm not going to do it if you there'll be a drop down menu um of course cuba's coming up i didn't realize it was like up up i mean i'm I'm thinking oh yeah it's still a ways and i looked at the calendar today and i'm like oh my gosh we're like three weeks away so it's coming really quick what kathy said i just want to reaffirm if you guys want to um you know start buying it can be it can be a generic dollar store stuff you don't have to get name brands but anything that you have in your medicine cabinet, they don't have it down there, all right? Tylenol, cough syrup. Don't don't try to buy real big, heavy things because we, we are limited weight, but aspirin, Tylenol, all that kind of stuff that we take completely for granted, they need it. If you all want to support in buying, like, children's underwear, make sure it's in a package. We, we can't take, you know, used clothes. It's, it's a big drama if we show up with used clothes, give away. So, you know, anything in package, you know, underwear, Little things like that that's always useful. But again, you know, just really pray about it. If you're shopping around, you're buying your own stuff, just pick up, you know, three or four little more extra things. All these things will be packed in suitcases. There's the team right now. There's um, six of us going on, on and Pastor Dan's will be seven. No, I'm sorry, five of us going. So that's 250 pounds, right? Did we carry two bags per Yeah. 100. No, 500 pounds. 500 pounds. Because that's pretty good, you know, between the whole team. Of, of stuff that we can take plus our carry-on and I, I live off you know, I can live off my carry-on so our bags that we take and on that one if you have an old luggage that you go, you're about get ready to throw away but the zipper still works that's what we use in other words we take luggage we don't bring it back so you know we don't take fancy new luggage don't go buy some Samsonite you know but if, if we do need a couple bags you know the 50 pounder ones and you know as long as the zipper works so last time y'all went somebody went to Goodwill they bought them like really cheap. They showed up with like three or four, um, you know, suitcases. So if you have them laying around, again, don't show up because I know how this goes. I'll say this and we'll end up with like 50 suitcases. So, But if, if you already have one that you that you want to just discard that's still usable, drop it off and we will fill it up. So that's what's going on. And, of course, financial support is always needed, you know, um, for Cuba. 
and keep everything running. So again, thank you guys for your generosity. Thank you, Faithway. You guys always amaze me about you know the, the, the church of this size in a place, in a town of this size, to have the footprint that it has caused. It's just totally gone. Amen. So you should feel very, very proud of that. Go ahead and stand with me. And the information for giving will be on the screen. There'll be envelopes. If you want to give, you can drop off your offering in the back. And I'll get you out of here. And everyone, you know, if y'all want to hang out after in a little bit, they'll get everything organized for the for the food. Um, we'll take it from there. Father, we just thank you. And Lord, what a great day it's been. I mean, it just started. The word, the music, everything has flown. We dedicate the month of March once again to you. That this month will be full of peace. We speak it right now. Come on, confess some things over this month over you. This month, there will be no financial pressure. This month, there will be no sickness and disease. This month, I won't have any breakdowns of my vehicles or equipment or anything. You know, you just keep speaking it. This month, my family's going to have so much joy. This month, my house is going to be full of healing. Yeah, March is going to be a good month. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything we've talked. And Father, I release them today with just a couple promises that you are our shepherd, Lord. And because of that, we have lack of nothing. By your stripes, we've been healed. We walk in divine health. We were blessed coming in, and we will be blessed going back. Father, it's good to see my brothers as they, sisters, as they travel back to North Texas. Father, it's good to see them. I call them blessed, covenant protection. And I just give you glory for Glory for all the programs, all the projects, everything that Faithway is. And, and, and we pray over this meeting this afternoon. We'll talk things that, are, that you want us to talk. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, shake somebody's hand, hug their neck. God bless you, and you are dismissed.